oftentimes we tell ourselves stories that have zero fact included in them. Now, this situation, there was one shred of fact. I had not lost everything. I had lost a paycheck. Corporate fraud works best in the shadows, behind corporate walls. How does the government bring these wrongdoers to justice? Whistleblowers. These are the stories of those who risk their careers to shine a light on allegations of fraud. Today on Fraud in America. Well, welcome to today's episode of Fraud in America. We're going to take a little bit of a detour off of our usual programming. Uh, we don't have a whistleblower with us. It's somebody that's going to resonate with a lot of people, regardless of your background. Her name is Heather Monahan. She is a top 40 female keynote speaker. She's a best-selling author. She has one of the top 100 business podcasts out there. She has done a TED Talk uh, that we'll link up. And she has a new, soon-to-be best-selling book out by HarperCollins. And the name of that book is Overcome Your Villains. A lot of people in our world, Heather, are uh, whistleblowers or would-be whistleblowers who are confronting issues every single day. So welcome to today's show. Thanks for having me. So Heather, I love your story that you gave in your TEDx talk. And, and folks, if you haven't watched it, set aside 10 minutes. It's well worth your time. But can you tell me, uh, tell us about your story with your villain that you talk about in your TED Talk? Sure. Like many women in corporate America, you know, I ran into sexual harassment and bullying in the workplace, but never as much as I did when I was really, you know, side by side with another um, C-suite executive who happened to be female. And, you know, during my time in corporate America with her, it, it was a really passive aggressive bullying that went on um, that was really destructive for me, you know, to my confidence and ultimately physically. I was losing my hair. I was losing my health. Wow. I threw my back out. It ended up being a really overwhelming situation because it wasn't as egregious or in your face as, you know, bullying or harassment that had occurred, you know, in other situations. It was at a whole other level. And um, there came a point, uh, you talk about your TED Talk, where you had to meet with this, uh, your, your ultimate villain. Yeah, so I had worked at this company for 14 years. Um, I'd started off as a VP of sales, was promoted three times, and ultimately was a chief revenue officer. And that all occurred under the leadership of a male CEO. He became very ill as um, he became older. And at the end of his career, which was the end of my career at that company, he decided to elevate his daughter, who was the CFO, to replace him. And that's when things got really challenging for me. The minute she was named acting CEO, she called me to her office, uh, which was three hours away from where I live. And I drove over there not knowing what was happening. And she was all smiles, really, really excited to see me, really, really happy to have me there to tell me that um, I was no longer needed, that she was now the CEO. She no longer felt that she needed a chief revenue officer in the company and that I had a decision to make. I could sign one of two memos and she passed me two memos, really excited to show them to me. One said, Heather's been fired. And the other one was a, you know, a love letter that basically went on and on about how amazing my tenure at the company was and all of my accomplishments and how 
I was leaving to pursue other opportunities, but the company was there to cheer me on. And, you know, with that second memo, I knew that there would also be a large check to, you know, as a parting gift, but there'd also be a large contract I would have to sign, which would essentially be a gag clause for me that I, so that I could never speak about any situation that ever occurred, any negative situation, or really more importantly, negatively about her. And so she knew I was a single mother and that, you know, I had big bills and responsibilities to take care of. I'd also signed a non-compete for a year and a half when I took the chief revenue officer position. So it was going to lock me out of the industry I was an expert in and and I had my entire network. in. so she was really trying to leverage, you know, those those decisions that I had made to back me into a corner to force me to sign the um, beautiful memo and, and as well as the gag clause. But I had really focused on up until that point in time for about the past year, you know, leading up to the situation, I really decided that I was going to turn things around for myself. This woman had bullied me for just years on end. And as it intensified, I decided to, you know, try to focus on, a, a more positive intention from me that I wanted to recreate my confidence in myself, start showing up as a more powerful version of myself and stop acquiescing to this woman in hopes that if I didn't pay attention to her, she might go away. So that paid off really well in that moment because I had behind the scenes been working on rebuilding my confidence. And it took me about 30 seconds to make the decision that I was not going to sign either one of those memos because I hadn't written either one of them. And if there was nothing else to discuss, I was leaving and I took all the power out of that office. I took all the power out of that woman and I took the smile right off of her face and it definitely changed the entire environment very quickly. Wow. What a story. So the, the other part that I found very fascinating, and I guess this comes to place a big part in your first book, Confidence Creator, is that you then put a social media post out to the world in which you said, After 14 years, I've just been fired. If I've ever helped you along the way, I need to hear from you now. What was the response to that post? That post went viral and um, no one talks about getting fired. Yeah. You know, people are typically ashamed of it. But to me, I just really thought I didn't steal money from the company. I didn't kill somebody. I didn't do anything other than I showed up as a powerful version of myself and that Obviously, this woman did not like that. So to me, I felt good about getting fired. I wasn't happy that I didn't have a paycheck coming in, right? I don't want to mince words about that. I was really nervous and scared, but I felt good about who I was in that moment. And the fact that I was fired did not mean that I was any less of a person. So I just decided that I was going to put that post up and I needed to start finding opportunity outside of the network and industry that I had been in for over 20 years. So the only way you're going to do something like that is to do things differently. And so that post went viral and ultimately landed me on the Elvis Duran show, which completely changed the trajectory of my my life. Wow. You know, so many people that we work with are uh, whistleblowers or would be whistleblowers or should be whistleblowers. Uh, many of them are going to uh, companies right now because they feel like they have to, because they have, like you said, big bills, right? Um, and, and sometimes they're, they're staying up late at night, worried about going in the next day to mm-hmm. a company that might be hurting people or stealing from the government. Um, what would you say to those people? Oh my gosh, that fear is a liar. It's not real. You know, I choose to see fear as a green light that means go and go faster. And when you decide to flip the script on that, you'll see that you'll pick up momentum and open doors that you truly did not know existed. For example, 
I spoke for over 20 years in corporate America. In the media industry, we didn't pay speakers. It just wasn't part of that industry. The executives were expected to speak for free. And that was what you know we used as far as speakers went. Little did I know my entire career, I was always told I was an exceptional speaker. I was so blessed you know, that I had this natural talent. And to me, I thought, so what? It's, worth, it's worthless. It, you can't make any money from it. I had no idea. Me getting fired landed me on the Elvis show, which he convinced me to write a book. And when I Googled, how do you sell books? It said, speak. And I thought, oh, great. I'm really good at that. So I started cold calling companies and pitching myself to speak as long as they would buy books. And it was the third phone call I made when a company said, great, what's your speaker fee? And when I Googled speaker fees and I saw Gary Vaynerchuk getting paid $350,000 for a 60 minute keynote. I had this revelation that I should have left that industry I was in 10 years prior and launched a speaking career. I would have been making much more money than I was making as a chief revenue officer in the media business. But I didn't know. I knew what my talents and skill set was, but I didn't know they could be applied outside of that industry to drive more revenue than they ever were driving for me within it. And the only way you're going to find out those things is, number one, pick your head up out of the company, business, and network that you're running with on a day-to-day. You've got to access new information and start uncovering, you know, what else is out there. But then at the same time, you know, it was really about stumbling along the way and finding my way. You know, there was no master plan for me. I just knew if I keep taking major action every day, something will line up. Anyone has that same ability. Yes, it is scary at first, but after a while you begin to see you were in a familiar zone. I won't call it comfortable for people who are, you know, in toxic situations. That's familiar. Yep. You begin to think over time that that's normal. It's not. And you know, if you're not wanted at that table or you don't want to be at that table because you know that this table is doing illegal things or whatever the situation may be, there is a table somewhere where business is being done correctly. People want you to be there and you don't have to go to bed at night feeling scared or afraid of what that next day may deliver. You can connect the dots looking back. You can't connect them when you're in the moment, right? So I end up getting fired. And a year and a half after I get fired, I was nominated and appointed to the first board director's position that I have taken. And it, I already, in just a year and a half's time, earned more stock and share in the company and gotten more respect from the company that I'm on the board of than the company that I was leading for 14 years. So I just, we, we convince ourselves that we're only valuable because of the company. We're only valuable because of the role that we're in and that there, there's nothing outside of that or nothing outside of the industry or nothing that our you know, unique skills and talents could apply to. That's simply not true. I've mm-hmm. debunked that myth. And if I can do it, anybody else can too. Our stories hold us back so often, right? The stories we tell ourselves just simply are limiting us many times. Yeah, Very true. So you mentioned uh, you know, this this new book, which I can't wait to get. It's coming, I think, tomorrow. Uh, this kind of a three-step process to overcome any adversity. Yeah, this is the book right here, Overcome Your Villains, Three-Step Process to Overcome Any Adversity in Business and Life. And so ultimately, years ago, one of my mentors came to me and said, you've got to define and itemize what that process is that you've been deploying throughout your life that allows you to continually overcome adversity and find success. And it sounds simple, but it's very hard to do that because you do things intrinsically. You're not, I I don't strategically think, oh boy, I just got fired. What should I do? I just get up and take massive action. Well, I don't think about it. I just do it. I've I've been doing it for so long that I know the the steps that I take will get me out of um, difficult situations. 
So I, I basically took a whiteboard and wrote down 0809 recession when I had to let go of, you know, a third of the company. How did I turn things around from there? How did I turn things around when I got divorced? How did, and I went through all these different issues in my life, different, you know, hardships and tough times and thought, what were the steps I took in these instances? Cause I bounced back from them, you know, and how are they similar to the other challenging moments in my life? And after months of work, I, I was able to discover there was, there was clearly a three-step process that I implemented every single time hard situations would occur. And it was all around beliefs, action, and knowledge. And I'll use the example of getting fired uh, in real time to share with people now so they can understand, you know, or give an example of what's in the book. So when I got fired, I walked out of that woman's office. I was proud of myself, but I held a belief that I had lost everything. Mm -hmm. So the first step is when you hit a rough moment, which getting fired was definitely a very rough moment. Mm -hmm. Well, the first thing you have to do is say, all right, let's demystify this belief and strip it down to the most simplistic shred of fact that may or may not be there. Oftentimes we tell ourselves stories that have zero fact included in them. Now this situation, there was one shred of fact. I had not lost everything. I had lost a paycheck. Mm. Once I lowered, you know, that, that story or dialed that story back to what it truly was, I didn't lose my network. I didn't lose my expertise. I didn't lose my credibility. I didn't lose my name. I didn't lose my experiences. I didn't lose my unique value proposition. I didn't lose my personality. I didn't lose anything but a paycheck. So once I was able to reframe it in that way, it seemed much more manageable to overcome. So that's step one is you want to demystify that belief to the most simple shred of fact, if there is any. And if there's not, that's great news, right? There's no fact to this, that's wonderful. Step two is take action immediately. This is hard oftentimes, but I can tell you this, my success in business without a doubt is attributable to the amount of action that I took versus competitors or versus anyone that was in my arena. Simply taking action doesn't mean you're always going to figure everything out and problems resolved with that one action step, but it does start a domino effect. So with getting fired, I de demystified the belief. I took action by putting a post up on social media, but it took the act of putting the post up in order for these other dominoes to fall. So step number two is always take action. Messy action done will always be better than perfect. Step number three is be very intentional around the knowledge that you surround yourself with. So for example, I went to the Elvis Duran show, someone who was light years ahead of me, incredibly successful and wanted me to be there, was cheering me on the moment I walked in, right? That's the kind of knowledge you want to access. You don't want to call your mother when you get fired if she's a stay-at-home mom or grandmother that doesn't work and ask her for business advice. She may feel badly for you and have empathy. She's not going to be, she's not going to have the vision Elvis Duran had. If I had gone to my mother and say, I just got fired, I don't know what to do. She'd probably say, come home and, you know, cry and, and I'll hug you, right? That's not be strategic, intentional knowledge. So I really am challenging people to don't, Surround yourself with the knowledge that you think is comfortable. Surround yourself with the knowledge from the people who are already living in the places that you want to go to. So beliefs, action, and knowledge. Great. Oh, that's perfect. Yeah, I, I love your point about, you know, surrounding yourself with people that can inspire you to move forward, to take your, uh, not wallowing in your mess, but all right, now what, right? That next step. And that's so important for so many uh, whistleblowers who are left a job, left a company, left a career, and they may be blackballed from an industry. They may, their uh, neighbors may be talking bad about them, and they're now confronting the question of now what? And it's easy to retreat. 
Uh, but I love your inspiration of them to believe in themselves, take actions around themselves with people that can inspire them to, to move forward. That's that's just a great story. The funny thing is for for your audience is, and I understand that being a you know in, in a thinking about a whistleblower and putting myself in that person's shoes, yeah. I can understand how you feel like you're in the fishbowl and everyone's looking at you. However, something it's really important for them to know. People are consumed with themselves. No one really cares about you, right? So, and, and that's sad. And I know this as a speaker, my goal is to get everyone's attention on me. I'm trying to get them to listen to me. They're, they all want to be on their phones, even though they might have paid to come see you, right? So, so how that relates back to the whistleblower is truly, you think everyone is consumed with you. You are consumed with you in your story. No one else is going to pay attention. And they might for a micro minute, they will move on quickly when the next shiny object comes by. And if they are focused on you for that minute, that's about them, not about you. They don't have that full story. Show up as that best version of you today. Maybe you made mistakes yesterday. First and foremost, forgive yourself until you forgive yourself. How can anyone else forgive yourself first? Give yourself some grace. We all make mistakes. Tomorrow's a, a new day and tomorrow I'm going to rise and tomorrow I'm going to start over. And tomorrow is the first day of this new chapter in my life. That's a beautiful and empowering moment. So you seem to have made your mess, your message, right? You're, you're a lot of people, as you talked about, don't want to tell the world that they were fired. It's hide everything, keep it below the surface, but you stepped into it and you've kind of made it your platform and your message that you're sharing with the world. Why, why did you decide to go that way? Well, I just look at things from a business standpoint, right? So in any business, you need to find a white space. I don't want to go where everybody else is. That's just harder. It's more work, right? Mm -hmm. So I could go the route of um, C-suite executive expert in sales. There's a lot of them out there, right? And then I'm going to be up against Grant Cardone and, and names of people that have already had 20 plus years while I was building my name in corporate America. They've been building it as an entrepreneur, as a speaker, as a trainer, so if I'm going to step into creating my own business, I've got to create my own lane so I don't have to compete against people who have, you know, many more years um, expertise in something that I'm starting new in. So the blue ocean strategy, right? Aiming for the blue ocean as opposed to the red. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah, it's great. Uh, in your first book, you talk about kind of this five-step plan, of stepping into your fear and taking action uh, to build that confidence. And I think there is a, 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 a lot of people struggle with confidence. Why do you think that is? Well, the funny thing is, I believe that we all start with confidence, right? You see a baby, the baby yeah. is learning to walk. They're not looking around saying, oh my gosh, are they going to judge me if I fall? I shouldn't do this. I'll just you know, lay down for the rest of my life. No, that kid's going to keep getting up, falling, getting up, falling, laughing, thinking it's hilarious and could care less who's watching. Mm -hmm. At some point along the way, you know, typically, especially with women in younger years, they begin, you know, you're told, oh no, you're not supposed to speak up like that. Mm. Well, but, but why? I had something to say. It doesn't matter. Don't say anything again. Well, suddenly you're getting this direction and feedback that's conflicting with what your inner voice is telling you. You start doubting yourself. Oh, I shouldn't trust that I feel I'm supposed to speak up. I've been told not to do that. I should look outside of me for direction. And the more we all, you know, instead of looking within for direction, we begin to look outside. It's a slippery slope that we just ultimately don't trust ourselves. And we begin thinking that we're less than or not equipped as well as others and that we should defer to them. And that, gosh, that's a, it's a horrible, horrible situation that many people find themselves in. I also believe though that confidence is not, not only is it not static, but it's not um, 
across different sections of your life. Meaning mm. you might be really confident in work, which I've been very confident in business for most of my life. Doesn't mean I'm confident in my relationships. Doesn't mean I'm confident at the gym if I just had a baby. Doesn't mean I'm confident as a parent if I just had a baby, right? So there's all these different sections of our world that people just aren't looking at it through the same lens. So I really challenge people to see that. And the more you try to understand that it's okay, because we do know that confidence is not static, it's going to ebb and flow. But the more intentional we get around it, like the gym or anything else, we can set specific goals, we can hold ourselves accountable, we can get clear on our intention, and we can take action steps forward to make it happen. So we're going to include a link in our show notes where people can uh, order your book. And, and as part of it, I noticed you're offering uh, several bonuses. And one of them I found very interesting includes a 30-day and accountability email program. We're emailing them every single day for 30 days. Why is that accountability part so important for people? Oh my gosh, so many people want what's you know best for them. I want to show up as the most confident version of myself. I want to fire the villains around me. I want to leave a toxic work environment. But when push comes to shove, they'll fall back in the routine, you know, because it's the path of least resistance. And sadly, we will hold ourselves to a higher standard if we know we have to report into somebody else, right? Because we can say, well, I just didn't really mean it. I'll do it another time if you're only telling yourself that. But if you do have to report into someone else, it, it just amplifies that commitment that you've made and intensifies it. Uh, excellent. Excellent. I love I love all the points that you've made uh, today, Heather, and I'm sure it's resonating with people. This idea of the familiarity, it's not comfort zone, it's the, where you're familiar, you're going to work every day, you may hate it, you may mm -hmm. go against everything in your moral fiber. Uh, but stepping into that fear, I love this concept you talk about. You mentioned this earlier that that's a, a green light for you to go. Um, can you talk a little bit more about that, where the fear shows up instead of running away from it, going towards the fear? Yeah, well, at some point when we were little kids, right, our parents would say, if you get scared and I'm not home, run home to the house, lock the door, right? Get inside the house and get safe. Somewhere along the way, we carry that, or, or I'm not saying that you necessarily did. I certainly did. I carry that with me right along as an adult, right? So if I'm in a meeting uh, when I was younger and I would raise my hand to contribute and no one called on me, I'd start thinking, oh shoot, maybe I shouldn't have done that. Maybe I should back it down. Or someone you know, gives you a look that, oh, you shouldn't have done that. You start dialing yourself back. It's, it becomes harder the next time to say, okay, I feel a little scared now. What if that happens again? And then your imagination starts running away with you, right? We start building up these fears in our mind and it freezes us or paralyzes us. And we keep just, you know, circling that same drain. Well, I'll just, keep, I'll just go to the meeting and not say anything. I'll just show up again and I'll go home tonight and be disappointed in myself because I didn't speak up. I had something to add, but you know what? It's not worth the risk. Like we'll start telling ourselves this or people in our lives will t give us their self-living beliefs. At some point along the way, I just decided that what if I choose to say people were telling me to run home and hide from fear when I was little because I needed to stay safe, but I'm an adult now and I think fear is something that I need to take on, you know, head on instead of run from it, run into it. And the first time I did it was that I, in a big way, was really with getting fired and putting that post up, right? I felt nervous, of course. I didn't know how people would respond. I knew some people, the haters were going to come and tell me, you look pathetic. That's embarrassing. You got fired. And they did, right? But I just decided to reconnect with the one voice and opinion that counts your own. And I thought, I'd rather take this action and find out what happens 
versus sitting here and wallowing in this unhappiness for one more minute. If you really are sick of wherever, whatever situation you're in, it's time to pull the ripcord, step into the fear and step in faster. Because when you start seeing fear as a green light, that means go, your entire decision-making process will change and open up massive opportunity for you. Mm, amen. We, we tell a lot of people, you know, a lot of the clients I've had over the years, and certainly a lot of people who listen to this show, you know, if you see something, say something, and more importantly, do something, right? If you mm -hmm. see something is going wrong, don't turn a blind eye to bad behavior. Make sure you step forward and do something. So uh, your message will ring true for a lot of people today, for sure. Um, so, Heather, I, I appreciate you taking time with us today. I just want to acknowledge you uh, for uh, turning your mess into a message that's going to resonate with so many people. I'm sure it's going to uh, make people think about things a little bit more as they go to that job that they hate, that goes against every moral fiber within them. Uh, I encourage people uh, to pick up Heather's book, to watch her TED Talk, uh, follow her on social media. Heather, I really appreciate you spending time with us today. Well, thanks for making time for me. I appreciate you. If you believe you've witnessed fraud against the government at your job or want to learn more about these important laws to combat fraud, visit fraudinamerica.com. On our website, you can find whistleblower lawyers, blogs from these expert attorneys, and more. You can also find a transcript of today's show, show notes, a way to contact our team, and a way to chip in to make sure we can keep bringing you the latest on fraud. This episode was edited and produced by Rachel Brooks, and our theme music is by Connor Chaos. A big thanks to our staff and researchers of Jeb White, James King, Emma Bass, Jackie Damar, Kate Scanlon, Brian Markovitz, and Max Boltman. You can learn more about them at fraudinamerica.com slash team. Fraud in America is a project of Taxpayers Against Fraud Education Fund.